You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM, three CR digital, three CR dot org dot AU, and three CR on demand out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon Australian Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for your company. 
3CR very much is proud to broadcast from the lands of the Kulin Nations and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people and especially today any First Nations people listening in from anywhere all over the planet. And we acknowledge that all the lands on this continent and surrounding smaller islands were stolen and never ceded. I'm Sally Goldner. I use the pronoun she, her. I'm your host for uh, the hour of Out of the Pan. And to start with two puns, it is hip to be back with you because I say that um, two weeks ago on the 24th, did have a some degree of um, um, sort of um, spinal blowout and missed a show. Only about the third time in 20 total years of community radio, something's come up like that where I've had to cancel late. But I'm back to 100% now and swimming in the pool and all that sort of thing. Um, so, yes, some bodily puns to start us off. A fantastic packed program today. We'll be talking about the, um, well, Meet the Candidates Forum sick that, um, that happened on Thursday night at the Victorian Pride Centre. Um, we have another great episode from the crew from Pacific X. But um, I'll introduce our guest in a minute. But if you want to get in touch with the show today and perhaps ask some questions to our awesome guest, there's all the means of communication. Out of the pan, 855 at gmail.com. SMS 61456751215. Tweet at Sal Gold said so. And that's the bottom line. And look for posts on Facebook on Out of the Pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne and my page Sally Goldner AM Remember, any opinions I express on the show about anything are strictly my own and any co- um, coincidence with those of organisations I've been involved with, past or present, is purely just that, coincidence. If you want to send me a card, um, PO Box 1277, Collingwood, Victoria, Australia 3066. Don't think there's any content warnings as such for the show today, but we will be talking about a topic that uh, may involve just general emotions for people. Um, particularly transgender diverse non-binary people and with that and so in that case I will just um, as an insurance policy um, switchboard um, which is part of QLife around Australia 1800 184527 Rainbow Door 1800 729367 and it is my pleasure to welcome an awesome guest to the program today um, something that I hadn't perhaps really thought about and um, when I do have to thank an awesome human for connecting me and the heads up on this, Cindy Darnell, who's one of the world's great people, when it comes to the issues of um, sex and sexology, and it's my pleasure to welcome all the way from another continent on this planet, so it's very much a worldview and why we need 61456, etc. in our SMS today, Lucy Fielding, who's a trans woman and sexologist. Lucy, welcome to the 3CR and Internet Airwaves. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. It's such a pleasure to share virtual space with you today. And at a relatively civilized hour, it's um, nine o'clock in the evening where you are. And um, in line in that I'm on Kulin Nations land, perhaps um, wanting to check in with, with the land you are on and what it might be called now and also any pronouns you use, if any. Yes. So my pronouns are she, they. Please mix them with reckless abandon. And I am presently on Monacan land, um, although sometimes I make appearances on Duwamish land, respectively, um, that is uh, known under the colonized names of uh, Central Virginia and and, um, Washington State, specifically the area around Seattle. Got you. So in what is, yes, now now the northwest of um, the so-called United States of America, which, well, mm-hmm. um, lots mm-hmm. we could say there, but we'll, we'll have our time because we want trans voices to get, um, talk about trans issues. You are, to your knowledge, one of the few um, trans femme, trans feminine, um, similar sort of sexologists, to your knowledge, um, will say in the present moment on the planet today, which puts you, you know, very, dare I say, pioneering or trioneering um, sort of um, role. Um, it's not, it's probably not something that's in the dictionary of occupational titles. Tell us a little first of how you um, sort of what, a bit of your path in terms of career and how you got to where you are. 
Well, uh, how did I get where I was? I, well, it always starts with, um, I, I've for the longest time just loved talking about, thinking about, researching. Um, I, I started as an academic um, studying erotic literature and histories of sexualities, uh, specifically in, um, in France. And, um, and I, every time I would go to parties, um, people would ask me what I did. And, and when I told them what I worked on and, you know, including like the Marquis de Sade and things like that, um, I would get people telling me really intimate details of their sexual relational lives. And, um, and I was always honored by that, but it was also quite a shock every time. And I think after a while, I, I got to a point where I was really tired of serving institutions and particularly uh, institutions that are so embedded in capitalism and neoliberalism. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, um, and I, I finally was like, you know, I should become a sex therapist. That's like, this thing keeps happening to me. Um, maybe the universe is telling me something. I need to lean into that. And, and then as I'm, you know, working through um, my counseling program and um, learning how to be a sexuality professional, um, I notice a lot of things that are amiss, a lot of things that are missing and a lot of ways that, especially as I'm exploring gender and sexuality and a professional transition, um, I am becoming more and more kind of enraged by <laughs> what I am, um, seeing or, more appropriately, not seeing what I'm not hearing, what I'm not um, experiencing, what is being, who is being left out, who is being um, left out of the conversation and, um, and, or, or forced to extrapolate from a, um, from a dominant or hegemonic um, position got you i think there's lots in that i mean um sorry you know, to sort of well no lots which is good first of all to um you know sort of you um neil donald walsh who wrote the books about conversations with god said your life's mission will not appear in you know clouds across the sky it almost feels like he got got it wrong with you because it was seemed to be pretty clear um and you the big thing is though you followed your heart and your authenticity which is what the world needs in everything and well, capitalism, neoliberalism, cisgenderism, endosexism, um, heteronormativity, but gee, dominant paradigms taking over. Who'd have thunk it? You know, and yeah, you've had to add to that white supremacy yes. and uh, settler colonialism. Well, you know, ap absolutely, um, and acknowledging my privilege as a settler on this continent, and that I am white as well and that I'm still learning more and more about what that privilege truly entails. I think the thing is that, you know, we have so much to flip over and you've had to really turn it exactly 180 degrees over. Um, tell us about that, what it is, how you do it, and, you know, um, well, I wish we had six hours for the show. How, how's that going? You know, just turning over a few paradigms. <laughs> well, um I think I think we're always in conversation with others. You know, um, I think there were a lot of conversations that were happening in community that were really um, special and important to me. And and as I'm, you know, I, I think of a book like uh, a zine like. Um, um, fucking trans women by Mira Bellwether, the trans sex scenes, um, uh, girl sex 101 by uh, Alison Moon, um, great sex educator. 
and a tremendous author. And, um, and so there's, there's those conversations happening in community. There's a lot of conversations happening in, um, with, with respect to, um, um, you know, disability justice and, and reproductive justice and, um, and of course, um, things that are happening in um, analyses of desirability politics on the part of, and pretty privilege on the part of a lot of um, uh, fat femmes of color. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and so I say to my clients a lot of the time, you are someone's legacy. And one day somebody will be your legacy. Um, some people will be your legacy. And, um, and so I, I want to just identify that I am continuing a conversation. I'm elaborating, I'm drawing threads together. And my hope is, is that people will um, take up the conversation and move it in directions that because of my own social location, because of my own time, um, my imagination is limited. And so, um, so that's really special. Um, it's been, it's been really a, um, an incredible journey. And I am, I feel so, um, fortunate and privileged that, um, that folks have resonated and particularly, um, siblings, um, queer and trans and non-binary and gender expansive have resonated with um, with the messages that I'm, I'm and the frameworks that I'm trying to um, to introduce. And I think that it's and what I want to say too is that it's not. Um, I am speaking from a queer and trans place. I'm starting from there. Mm. However, it is. Um, it is work that is applicable to cis bodies and to straight bodies. It's just like, I mean, um, as my friend and colleague, uh, Emily Nagoski would, would say a sex educator, author of the tremendous book, uh, come as you are, um, would say, you know, our bodies, it's the same parts organized differently. Mm. And, and so, um, and what I would say is that um, we are all, we all are in, connected to bodies that are polymorphously perverse playgrounds of wonder. Cool. And there is so much pleasure and radical possibility to be found in our bodies, through our bodies. And... Um, and I, I think that trans folks, queer folks, um, disabled folks, um, we've just had to do a whole lot more thinking about that. Yeah. As we do, we sort of have to push past the barriers put down by all those um, paradigms, um, or, you know, push past, push gently through to get to our own authenticity. You mentioned it's been a journey. Can you perhaps um, talk about some of the are there any sort of moments that come to you where um, a specific in, in simple um, inverted bi- binary, binary inverted commas, specifically highs, specifically lows? What have been the, the real, you know, sort of moments that have leapt out, but what have been some of the challenges in the, in the journey that your the authentic journey that you're taking? Well, I, um, a couple of things. I mean, um, I think dealing with an, a more conservative establishment um, uh, that understands sex and pleasure in very limited ways. And, and I think also understands what we're doing as sexuality professionals or medical or mental health professionals as, um, as very limited. Um, so I remember, for example, 
an interaction I had early on with a um, with an endocrinologist who was teaching a training and was talking about the side effects of of uh, hormone therapies, and um, and I I went up to him afterwards and I and I tried to engage him in conversation and I talked to him about how he was using um, drive theory and libido theory to talk about desire and um, present research in sexology, we don't talk about libido. We talk about, um, we talk about desire as keyed or responsive to context. And so I was engaging him around that. And he said to me, you know, first of all, the, the research isn't there for, um, you know, applying that to trans folks. And I was like, I wonder why no mm-hmm. one's asking the questions. Um, who gets to ask the questions? Who, who gets to, um, you know, decide what the questions are? Um, and, and, then, and then he said something else. He said, that's just too nuanced for my clients for my patients. And that just knocked me on my uh, considerably high heels, Um, (laughs) you know, um, because here I am thinking like, there's no such thing as too nuanced for our clients and patients. That is, is that just floors me. Um, And, and so um, I, I think moments like that, where um, or I just thought, God, it, it needs to be different. We're not serving folks well. We are, um, and, and I would say like also the moments of, um, you know, where my background in history and literature, it, that informs me because I am seeing the ways that, the ways that we talk about um, about gender, about sex and sexuality. I mean, we, we talked about land acknowledgement at the mm-hmm. very beginning and of this interview. And, and you know, um, and there are a number of reasons we do that. But one of the reasons that I, I do it as well is to talk about, the fa- is to really point out the fact that there are so many ways of conceptualizing sex gender, sexualities, pleasure, embodiment, and that most of the frameworks that mental health and medical providers are using are maybe 100, 200 years old. And, um, and that legacy is with us, but, but so are um, these other traditions, these other um, ways mm. of, of understanding sex and gender and sexualities. And, um, and so these white Western settler um, modalities don't have to be the end of the conversation. Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to nuance, I mean, you work with, you know, adults um, in the Australian context, that would be 18 plus. So there's about um, in that case, there's a, a potentially about six billion nuances we need to understand because everyone's an ind- a unique individual in every way. There might be some similarities, but um, only some. And um, I think that you know we don't we don't do that. Acknowledging my privilege again as a white, non-Aboriginal person, to use language of where I am, perhaps you know what are the sort of things that perhaps. Um, the unconscious bias and privilege that could slip in from those perspectives, just just for starters, has anything sort of leapt out at you in relation to that? Um, that things that perhaps mm-hmm. we just don't think about. Um, and whilst I don't use this label for myself, I'm I'm probably perceived as middle class um, and might be a reasonable frame. So, what are all the things that come in there that perhaps? we just may not may not re- really think about through unconscious bias that we can then make a little more conscious and have people you know you know getting ticking their brains over about them yeah uh, so there's a uh, concept i introduce in my book transsex um 
and um, I, I call it erotic privilege. Um, it's similar in many ways to the conversations that were had around uh, pretty privilege a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but um, what I'm talking about there is a specific form of privilege in which the capacity to desire and the capacity to be desired are um, are held um, are are invested in certain bodies and are um, and these tend to be white, thin, um, cis or cis assumed, um, uh, straight bodies, um, um, able-bodied bodies, mm. um, and also, um, you know, between largely the ages of 18 and 40 and, um, anyone, um, you know, who, who has, um, bodies that are different from that, we're having to extrapolate in one way or another from those who have more or less erotic privilege, uh, more erotic privilege than, than we might. And, um, and I really think that that's important because those who are, who are invested with the most privilege, whether they claim it or not, whether they recognize it or not. And I I recognize that as a, um, you know, as a white femme um, who in, in some um, places I I might be cis assumed, um, you know, that, um, that I carry a lot of erotic privilege. Um, And so, um, but, what is is clear is that we're not we're thinking about bodies and about sex um in very limited ways and in ways that are connected to what we call function sexual function or really it's antonyms sexual dysfunction which really um concentrates the conversation on genitals on orgasm on um and not on pleasure not on non-genital sex and on genitals behaving in particular ways um that are culturally scripted Mm -hmm. and um and so um really my work is about expanding that um and again i'm i'm not doing I'm not saying these things sometimes for the first time. I'm, I'm merely, I'm, I'm taking threads from numerous places, hopefully um, attributing uh, my sources very well, but at the same time, like we're always in conversation. And, um, and so what I'm wanting to do is to focus our attention around pleasure and around an entitlement to pleasure an entitlement to desire that our desires are um, that no one's desires are better than ours um, or, uh, or our desires aren't less than anyone else's. Our pleasure is not less important. Um, and that goes for everyone. Um, now we do not, we are not entitled to particular desires with particular people or particular pleasure with particular people at particular times, um, that would be, um, exploitative and Mm non-consensual. Um, but, um, but, um, but in the realm of, of consensual play, um, we are entitled to pleasure and desire Every time. Yep. Well, that that's the thing. Absolutely. You know, um, and unfortunately, <clears throat> as, as we've discussed, some people perhaps don't feel like they have that worthiness. Um, lots of, you know, all sorts of people 
And let's be fair, um, you know, there's lots of, you know, cisgender, heterosexual, endosex males who yeah. also are in that boat as well. Yes, they might appear to be higher up the, in, I almost feel a bit blur saying this, the privilege ladder. Um, but, yeah. you know, um, listening to people who have um, been in the field um, as practitioners of some sort, um, there's lots of those men out there who, because of a society that, for example, um, limits people with so-called male genitals to certain scripts um, in terms mm. of their gender expression or whatever it is and how they might do yeah. sex, they're, they've, you know, they're not feeling equal as well. There was one other group I specifically thought I was wanted to ask about, and it may not be within your experience, but I'm mm. thinking particularly here of variation of sex characteristics, um, intersex bodies, particularly those mm-hmm. where we have genitals varying from the, I will say, 98% expected, 49 or so percent each male, again, inverted commas, male genitals, female genitals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that, you know, strikes me that, you know, you just said everyone has, you know, sort of saying words like everyone has an equal entitlement to consensual desire. If we, if we, is there much thought at this point on intersex bodies in this area? Because it just seems like it's something that often gets erased or missed as well. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, and um, I, uh, just to be um, transparent, um, I don't, um, I don't really uh, treat intersex bodies um, explicitly within transsex. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a definite um, gap and loss that I hope that um, that others will will take up and expand upon, and um, I'm, I'm always iterating. Um, but I, I felt like I could speak very clearly from my trans experiencing. But as I am not aware mm. of whether or not I am intersex, um, I didn't feel that I was in a in a position Absolutely. to speak um, from yeah. that position. Um, um, but um, we have many of the common causes and, um, and as a, um, as a colleague, uh, the sex educator, Bianca Loriano, um, was, uh, talking about with me, I mean, um, intersex politics and, and trans politics get so, um, so linked and, um, and there are, there are ways in which, Intersex arguments against forced surgeries, for example, um, at or near birth, are being used, um, are being misused mm-hmm. as ways to deny uh, folks um, their uh, their ability to access any kind of uh, certain medical and um, particularly mm-hmm. surgical uh, pathways, and and that's just. Um, it's balderdash, but, you know, um, but we have so many, uh, so much common cause, um, uh, the trans and intersex, um, communities. Um, so, well, well, dare I say them, I think there must be something that is trans transferable between the two, um, at an intersection. I'm sorry, but I had to, um, Look, there's just so much we could talk about, um, but I just will check in. Are there any sort of things that we perhaps haven't covered or, you know, just thinking back very quickly, any points that you would have really loved to get across, including any, we'll say, we'll call them elevator um, speech moments on what you do. And also tell us how people can get in touch with you and find out more about you if they want to, which I'll certainly put your website link into the um, podcast link that will go up shortly after the show is finished. Well, thank you. Um, yes, so um, my website, um, the uh, I'm I'm probably most active on Instagram, um, despite its problems, uh, at Sex Beyond Binaries, um, and uh, I I do have a Twitter presence, but um, you can uh, find my book at um, most local uh, booksellers and uh, shop local, please support indie books, uh, bookstores and booksellers. Um, but um, 
you know, in terms of things, I, I just kind of want to pick up on something you very rightly pointed out about, um, about cis men and, um, or um, cis folks with penises, you know, and, and how they are harmed by, um, by these cultural scripts. And, and I think that it's really important to focus on this, like that my book is, is called Transsex and I'm focused on, on trans folks, but I, I, these frameworks, they're, they're for cis bodies as well. And I want, um, there is no reason why um, uh, some folk, uh, folks with penises um, or folks who have sex with folks with penises are not trying muffing, for example. Like that's something that um, that uh, that Mira Bellwether um, coins the the term muffing, um, and it's a way that that um, we can experience hmm, digital uh, stimulation, shall we say, yeah. um, through the palpation of our inguinal canals. And, um, and that's something that is, that is possible. And that's a, a place that is packed with nerve endings that are, that have capacity to deliver so much pleasure. So, um, you know, I, I really want us to be thinking expansively about what is possible and thinking radically about what is possible. Um, and um, because, the cultural scripts that are shaping our erotic experiences and our gendered experiences are um, are not all there is, and indeed, um, it's the least of what there is. Absolutely, I think that's actually a good note to finish on. Um, there is so much more that um, you know we could, you know, we could um, sort of explore that. Um, you know, that we are only at the start of this journey of making sex, sexuality, sexology, call it all those things and more um, truly inclusive for all um, consenting people. So um, I think that sense of mystique is a good place to leave it on, Lucy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Once again, thank you to Cindy Darnell, one of the dearest people I know on this planet who does so much in this area and does so much to be inclusive about it. Um, just thank you, Toda Spazabar, and all those gracias and merci beaucoup. And, um, well, I'll wish you to um, enjoy your Saturday evening on Monica, Monacan lands. Thank you so much, Sally. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thank all you right. for having me. Pleasure. Lucy Fielding on 3CR, um, a trans sexologist, and I'll, as I say, I'll put up a link to her website and other um, social media links in the um, podcast link and when we announce that on social media. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally.
3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand. Out of the Pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Thanks again to Lucy Fielding um, for her time on the show today. And the two tracks we've played thus far, we opened the show um, with um, Love, Sex, Intelligence, which seemed logical and appropriate enough. And we just heard from missing persons from, as I think, the 70s turned into the 80s and words, and they're useful to communicate. Well, it's important, as we discussed in the discussion with Lucy, to communicate from a range of perspectives, and part of that is the wonderful series from Pacific X. And let's have a listen to their um, latest uh, episode in their podcast series on Out of the Pan. Nisa Bolivinaka, Aloha, Mumenjeka, and hello. We are PX Fano, a Pacifica LGBTIQ podcast created during the COVID 19 pandemic as a voice for our community, informing and promoting good health and keeping our rainbow Fano safe from COVID. This is presented by the Pacific X Collective and produced on Wurundjeri land in the studios of 3CR in Nam, Melbourne. Talofa to your listening in today and welcome. My name is Sarah and I am your host on PX Fano. And I have the greatest privilege to share this episode with my beautiful partner Leah and two of our kids, Zai who is 13 and our youngest Jet who is 9. This episode is about what we experienced having COVID and isolating within our rainbow home. Talofa Leah, Zai and Jet and welcome. Talofa and thanks for having me. Hello and thanks for having me. Talofa. So firstly, what symptoms and challenges did you guys face with COVID? Well actually, funnily enough, it was the children who presented with symptoms first and both of them had very different symptoms. So our youngest actually complained about a sore tummy and feeling sick. The biggest challenge was access to essentials. Everything happened so quick and we were required to isolate. Um, So not being able to prepare for what we needed for the fur babies and also just for our general necessities. We also were stuck with our family who would have been our support, also were testing positive and isolating. So we didn't really have that network of um, people that we could call on to help us out. Sai and Jet, what was your experience with COVID like? Uh, I was throwing up, a lot of coughing, sneezing, and I was really immobilised for like quite a while. My taste was somewhat gone and my smell was a tiny bit there. And Jet? My stomach was feeling sick, so I went in my brother's room. He told me to tell our mum, so I went in their room, told my mum. She gave me uh, tissues, water, and a bucket in case. Um, I was only sick for one day and had to like isolate for like a week. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with our listeners. Finally, what advice would you give in regards to COVID and being in isolation? I think I would say use the time to rest and reassure the kids that everything's going to be okay. There is some support services that are available through the COVID hotline. Just remember, you'll probably stay sick for not too long and you'll get better. Not to worry about it. It's only... A week or a couple of day isolation and and yeah, tofa soy fua. You've been listening to PX Fano with me as your host Sarah Illy. Thank you again to my special guest, my partner Leah, and our two kids Zai and Chet for sharing with our listeners your experience and most of all your great advice regarding COVID and isolating. You've been listening to PX Farno with the Pacific X Collective. 
speaking about keeping COVID safe and what that means to the Pacifica LGBTIQA plus community. For more of the latest information about COVID, go to www.health.gov.au. Listen and download our episodes from 3cr.org.au and to find out more about who we are, go to pacificx.com. PX Fano would like to thank the Victorian Government Multicultural Communications Outreach Program for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Our theme music is produced and performed by Fina Ely. Catch us again next week on Out of the Pan on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. Trans Family is a not-for-profit organization providing a peer support group for loved ones including parents, siblings, extended family, and friends of a trans and gender diverse person. Trans Family runs discussion groups in person and online. We offer a safe space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your situation, and provide peer support. We are especially keen to hear from loved ones in regional and rural Victoria. Donations to Trans Family are tax deductible. For more information, visit transfamily.org.au or look for us on Facebook. Trans Family is a 3CR supporter. We are family. Get up 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3CR.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. Trans Family coming up on Saturday week, the 21st of May. Gee, why has that date been in the news lately? Because, of course, it's the date of the federal election. And on Thursday night, there was a, well, a forum sick at the Victorian Pride Centre. And joining me in the studio to discuss it are part of the Channel 9 cricket commentary team from the year circa 2000. First up, Ian Chapel. Well, Rich, I thought it was a real disappointment there on Thursday night. Uh, there I was expecting some lively debate and cracking shots and some real passion and authenticity, and it just felt more premeditated um, almost and boring like a Jeff Boycott innings. Uh, well, Ian, I too would have to agree with that assessment. It uh, you know, certainly was a bit of a piss-poor effort by and large, and quite frankly, um, there's going to have to be a lot of lifting of the game in all departments. Uh, felt like a bit of a Sydney corporate Oxford Street um, mush fest. Yes, we need some Victorians from the grassroots to really get the community going. Thank you, Ian, Richie and Bill. Uh, what was all that about? Well, let's try to unpack that. Um, thank you for your analysis, um, guys. Um, it really was very, very, just felt very stilted on a lot of um, counts at um, the Victorian Pride Centre. Um, uh, on Thursday night, um, the three representatives from each party um, were Janet Rice, Senator Janet Rice for the Greens, Penny Wong for ALP, and Andrew Bragg for the Liberal National Party. And the thing was that all the questions were prearranged with prearranged questions in a predetermined order. It just felt like a control freaked ritual from our so-called community control freak. Sorry, community controlled organisations organising it. Um, now let's run through the three candidates. Andrew Brad, look, he's you know let's try to be balanced. He's a genuine, probably a genuinely decent guy, but in a minority in a party where the predominant force is social conservatism and he had to keep saying well my personal opinion is such and such um we then had Penny Wong and I know that I want to say something here I've always been you know someone who wants to be um treated on my merits and I try to treat everyone the same no certainly no lesser because just because they're from a certain group and you know in that sense you know, I have to say that I felt very disappointed with Penny Wong. She seemed very 
aloof, arrogant, disinterested, not informed. And frankly, her answer on intersex, which was, in my opinion, interphobic, um, content note interphobia, where she thought we had this issue of consenting surgery sorted, is was quite appallingly out of touch. Now, if I, as I say, I've learned to bat my gut over time, and in my opinion, uh, if this was as premeditated as it was, and the only thing I don't know is whether the candidates were given the questions they were going to be asked beforehand, um, then that's pretty ill-prepared. And yes, Penny Wong is a multicultural lesbian who's risen to a high position in the land, but does that mean she's necessarily an ally of groups like bi, trans and intersex? Not necessarily so. I appreciate she's had to probably go through difficulties, but I just wonder whether she's more there as an ALP hack who happens to be a lesbian rather than someone else. Um, There was no chance, by the way, for the public, either online or in person, to ask questions, and that meant things were missed. Australia is now falling way behind on blood donation um, standards. Canada has recently got rid of all time-lapse bans or time delays, if you like, for people in terms of, say, gay or trans. Uh, Why can't we do the same? There were no buy questions. Um, Perhaps the New South Wales-based organisations organising it, and I agree with uh, Bill Laurie's comments, um, were part of that. New South Wales is the only jurisdiction in this country to not have buy in its anti-discrimination law. Interestingly, when Alex Greenwich announced his proposed LGBTI omnibus bill a couple of months ago for New South Wales state law reform, that wasn't even mentioned. Perhaps New South Wales, in the lead-up to World Pride next year, needs to have as part of its number plates New South Wales, the bi-erasure state. And, of course, Mardi Gras' abysmal history with bisexuality, which was outright vilifying, um, which I uh, discussed on the show with Maria Paiadokaroli first in February 2020, um, was really is really, really poor. There were no questions on ACE issues. There was no chance to grill people in detail about how they would appoint a federal LGBTI commissioner and making sure that it was a statutory appointment and not just some party hack. Um, my theory is that we've got a problem with some of our, yes, the Liberal National Party overall or in the majority is a big problem, but I'm now concerned Labor won't do enough for all of the LGBTI issues that were needed. Janet Rice was about the only highlight and you know, ignoring any bias. Um, I'm a bi person, so is she. Her sadly missed late partner was a trans woman. She was on point. She was passionate. She, um, you know, knew some detail. The other two really didn't. Patricia Cavallis, as facilitator, pushed the three to agree on getting LGBTI properly into the next census or pushed hard, whether we got that agreement and whether it will happen, of course, are two other questions. I have a theory that I think we've got too many of our so-called LGBTIQA plus leaders who fawn over people on high authority. And it's like, oh, they're just, we've engaged with them. Look, aren't we, aren't we great now? Well, engagement has to be on a basis of equality and respect. And I didn't feel there was that um, last Thursday night. And I walked out feeling very, very frustrated. And it's just going to be... Um, you know, I don't think that regardless of the election result, um, our problems are going to be over um, after May 21st. And I'll come back to that um, when we have that result on May 22nd and we can perhaps frame strategy more precisely. So, yeah, really, um, really disappointing um, piece of work. And I think that, um, you know, whilst we can sit there and say, oh, blame the Liberal Party for stirring up transphobia or most of the Liberal National Party, Labor has not been supportive enough, as per Anthony Albanese when asked the the question on um, can men have babies, and he said no, well, that ignoring trans men. Well, you know, if either of those two parties are going to be the lead, we haven't got enough commitment. There's also a lot of grumblings at the grassroots of the trans community that we're not getting enough support from powerful institutions, lots of great individuals being good allies, but not good enough. So I'll leave you with that. Um, But anyway, as I say, after the election, when we have the result, um, we're going to have to get down to some hard work. And I'll take it out there for today with Midnight Oil from their Bird Noises EP way back in 1980. And, well, some of us queer kids got no time for games. 
Thanks to Lucy Fielding for being my guest on Out of the Pan today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, Podcast will be up very, very soon if you're listening live. I'm Sally Goldner. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week. Let's rock! Time.